Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in in what part of the country? Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Well, welcome back, my Bible Talk friends. I'm going to take care of a little housekeeping right off the bat here. If God is your co-pilot, that means that you are sitting in his seat. I saw a bumper sticker today on a car, and I'm sure many of you have seen the same thing, and it said, God is my co-pilot. And I know I, I don't want to make fun of people that have that. Um, I'm sure they have good intentions. But for the Christian, God should not be our co-pilot. He should be our pilot. And that's why I say if he's your co-pilot, that means you are sitting in his seat. Get out of it. You take the co-pilot seat and let God have his way in your life. This is Pastor Gordon Morse coming to you today live from the Northern Command Center. Uh, Next to me is Commander Worf my retired police dog. I am filling in. Obviously, Pastor Moss isn't here today. I'm filling in for him. Please don't turn off your radio or turn your dial. I know I miss Pastor Moss too, but you get to listen to me today. But it's going to be a great show because we have a lot to go over, so much that I I think we're going to have to turn this show into a three-hour show. This, the one hour just isn't going to do it. But for this show to work, we're going to need you to call in and ask your questions or answer the challenge I'm momentarily going to give you. Uh, our phone number is 866-423-9578, 866-423-9578. Uh, I'm going to give you a challenge in a moment, and then I want to finish up addressing a topic that I covered last time I was here. They actually replayed it last month for you, so hopefully you got to catch it. Uh, But before I do that, if Angela, and I believe she is from Royal Oak, is listening, call in. You asked a question about something John MacArthur believed in, about taking the mark of the beast and how it would be possible for people to be saved if they did. Uh, Please call in, Angela. I want to talk to Pastor Moss about it. He confirmed that what you said is true, and I want to address that issue uh, here, far be it for me to go up against a, a giant like John MacArthur, but uh, <laughs> I think we need to do that. 
But anyway, our topic today or our, our challenge before I finish up on our, our prior topic is this. And you can call in any time if you want to address this and interrupt me as I go off on, on our other topic. But here's the challenge. In, in Christianity today, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the biggest accusations that comes against Christianity is that we're judgmental people. You ever hear that? You hear someone say, you Christians, you're just so judgmental. And, you know, sometimes it's true. There are judgmental Christians out there. You and I both know who they are. We come across them in our daily lives, and it's horrible. Sometimes those judgmental Christians are us. I know I've been judgmental in the past, and we're going to go over some of that later, uh, some of my own faults in that area. But we ought not to be that way as Christians, or are we supposed to be? I don't know. So here's the challenge. Are, should we, as Christians, judge people? I want to know what you have to think about that. It would be an interesting topic. Should we, as Christians, judge people? Our number is 866-423-9578, 866-423-9578. Now, while I wait for people to try and come up with an answer for that, and definitely long before you ever hear my answer on it, I want to go back to the topic I talked about before, and that is the, the level of discourse in this country and how horrible it is and how we can't even have a conversation with people anymore that disagree with us because it just resorts into name-calling and false accusations flying all over the place. And it definitely ought not to be that way with Christians. So I kind of tackled this last time where I talked about that problem and where I think it comes from. Um, I think it's not just uh, political correctness at the root. I fully believe that Satan is at the root of it. I explained to you before, you know, with uh, 26 years as a police officer, I, I want to look for where the evidence takes me. And I always look for the causes of things. I mean, that's what I did for a living. So I think the cause of this is Satan, because work with me on this. If he can get everybody offended over stupid things like sports logos and, uh, well, there's, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of things that we could list that people get offended over, um, that makes it impossible to talk to that person about their sinful nature. How are you going to talk to somebody who's offended by the Cleveland Indians logo or by a statue outside of a city building? They get all offended over that. Or if they just get offended because you say you disagree with them, not even that you hate them or anything like that, you just disagree, and they get offended by that. If people are that easily offended, how on earth are you going to talk to them about their being a sinner? It's just not going to happen. And I think that Satan uh, is behind this. I don't normally like to say it. I don't, don't normally like to, to just say, well, it was Satan's fault for all this. Um, people who know me know I, I don't act like that or, or speak that way. But I really do believe he is at the root of this. Uh, what's his number one goal is to keep people from knowing Jesus. That's his number one goal. So if he can do it by making it to where we can't even have a conversation with people about anything, let alone their sinful nature, 
Well, of course he's going to do that. But I don't want this for Christians. I don't want my fellow Christians uh, to be that way. So what I did was I took you through 1 Peter 3.15, which is uh, my life verse, um, which says we're always supposed to be ready to give an answer. Uh, But it also says we're supposed to do that with meekness and with respect. And I think Christians, including me, so I'm not pointing my fingers at you as much as I'm pointing the finger back at myself. Uh, We Christians tend to falter in both of those areas. We are not as prepared as we should be to give an answer for our faith. And then when we do so, it's very easy for us to uh, not do it in a uh, meek and respectful way. Um, so how we answered that is we went to James chapter 3, and I'm not going to reread everything because my goal is to move on um, and continue from where we were, but just to set the table for this, James chapter 3, uh, that's your homework, uh, is to read that, so I won't go over all of it. But we learned some very important things in this chapter uh, about how we are supposed to talk to people. Uh, let's see here, uh, verse James 3 and 13, um, yeah, 13, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable. These are, listen to these, these are how we are to talk to people. Pure, peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated. Full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is known in the peace of them that make peace. So uh, that's where we kind of ended it. But as I understand it, our chief engineer is telling me we have a phone call. So let's go to that person now. Joe, you're on the air. Well, hello. How are you this this afternoon or this evening? Oh, my goodness, Joe. I think I've talked to you before. You have the awesomest radio voice. (laughs) Thank you. you. Have you called the show before? (laughs) Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Uh, it is awesome. I love it. So uh, were you calling to answer the challenge? Uh, I believe your challenge was about judging. Yeah, should we as Christians you could, judge Could you people? repeat the whole question for me? Yeah, so it, basically the premise is that uh, Christians get accused of this, sometimes undeservedly, sometimes deservedly, that we're judgmental people. Uh, mm-hmm. And so my question is, should we as Christians judge people? My answer is yes, uh, because we see it in, in uh, Corinthians where Paul says uh, that we will be judging angels and everything else. But then, then if, I'm, and if I want to clarify myself, too, okay. no, we cannot judge people to send them to heaven or hell. We can't do that. But small matters that we're going through here on this earth, yes. So we we should judge, but only in small matters. 
I would say yes. Okay. All right. Well, Joe, we I'm not going to tell you yes or no right now. <laughs> okay, so we work. are going to, because we're going to delve into it as soon as I deal with the other issue. Um, but I do but have I appreciate... another question. Yeah. Okay, and may I get your name? I'm, I apologize. Uh, you know what? I, to be honest, I don't even remember if I gave it, but it's Gordon Morse. I'm, I'm a assistant pastor under Pastor Moss. Okay. Okay. Uh, Pastor Morris, I do have a question. And a lot of people uh, is telling me, as I understand it, our names can be blotted out of the book of life. And I'm having a problem with that. And I know it's scriptural where it says in Revelation uh, 3.5, where it's talking to the church of Sardis, uh, he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Now, this is kind of bothering me because I do believe in uh, election, and if we are truly saved, then are we going to lose our salvation? So what part of that verse, and where were you coming from? That was Revelation? Revelation 3, 5. Okay, so in that verse, where is it you are getting? And, and I totally understand where you're coming from, but I just, I'm just i asking a question so we can set yes. the stage here for the answer. Where is it in that verse that you get that our names would be blotted out? Uh, he was talking to the church of Sardis here, and I'm just summing it up in verse 5, where he that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name. Now, I'm having a problem with the fact of overcoming. Now, is he speaking, if I may say it like this, uh, so everybody in the church is not saved, but yet the those who are saved and overcome, their names will not be blotted out. Right, but so, what would the what yeah. would the main problem with reading it that way be? Well, if the if the individual is saved and do not repent, or if I may say it that way, his name will it, be blotted it, out. Right, but but that's almost saying a saved by works or salvation, right? Which we know can't be true from Ephesians mm-hmm. two eight nine. So what would it mm-hmm. be saying here? It's saying that he that overcomes uh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. Well, who is it that overcomes? That's to me that would be the person that is the believer, right? That's the believer that overcomes. It doesn't mean we never falter. Uh, um, our salvation isn't based on what we do. We are sealed under the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. So it's him doing the work, not us. If you're truly saved, then then you're saved. Um, But this other part of what you're talking about, it's a great question, where it says his name, um, uh, I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. So then the assumption is, well, there's some that will have their name blotted out. 
But what wording did I just use there? It's the assumption that some people are going to have their name blotted out. Um, I don't think that's what the text is saying because, well, first of all, again, if you could lose your salvation, again, by necessity, that means you have to do something to gain it. And that always Mm -hmm. means works. Uh, The Mm Bible is clear. It's repentance and trusting in Christ. If you've really done that, then it's just like at Passover um, when all the firstborn of the Jews were saved by the blood on the doorway. Um, Our sins are not visible. All that's seen in us by God is the blood of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Now, are we going to have to answer for, you know, where everybody's going to be judged? Where I think the worst thing is going to be having to stand in front of a holy, awesome God who died on a cross to save me from my sins, knowing that he knows what I've messed up in my life. I don't know how you could have a worse punishment than that. Um, but I don't think that, I think that's a far different thing than uh, get away from me. Uh, into everlasting punishment, you wicked person, you know. Uh, just simply don't think that's going to be the way it is. Does that make sense to you? Well, I, I hear what you're saying, and I and I like what you're saying, because as you were talking, I, was, I had a smile on my face concerning this. But yet, I, I'm, I'm looking at those who believe that salvation is by works, and I'm having a right. problem with them seeing it that way. We may well, not receive the full richness of his salvation. Well, you know, if and, I can uh, quote so- Pastor Moss, and I, and I love quoting Pastor Moss, he mm-hmm. says, you know, don't, don't lose a lot of sleep over this, but Pastor Moss says, if you think you can lose your salvation, make sure you don't. And I just thought that was, that was brilliant when he says that, because it's, it's true. Okay, if that's what you want to think. Just make sure you know. But I'm going to trust in Christ. It doesn't, it's not, uh, I believe it was Paul that talked about this, or was it Luke, that said, I'm not going to use this as a, as a reason to go off and do uh, anything I want to do. No, because a truly saved person wouldn't have that attitude. A truly saved person has a repentant heart and wants to do mm-hmm. right, even though we falter our mm-hmm. our baseline, if you will, is, oh, man, I, I messed up. I've got to get right with God. Not, ooh, right. I want to go do this right. and then just ask for forgiveness yeah. later. Yeah, that is the not Holy the Spirit mind of a true Christian. chastise us, too. It, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Joe, you know, I'm um, sorry, and I do apologize. I don't want to take all your time. So please, get, get back to the program, and I thank you for Joe, taking you the time with me. Joe, don't you dare apologize and get your own radio show, okay? Because your voice is awesome. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. <laughs> thank you for calling in, Joe. <laughs> oh, what a great caller. Uh, okay. Um, rather than going to something real quick, we're going to take a, a brief commercial break. 
These are tough times for everyone, so dealing with your timeshare may not be your biggest concern. But when this passes, do you still want a lifetime of payments, fees, and commitments for a timeshare you were misled into buying? Hi, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started the timeshare cancellation industry by exposing the ugly truth about timeshares and giving folks the straight facts. I've been fighting the timeshare giants ever since, so no one knows this industry better than me and my team. Today, we have over 200 employees and have saved our clients an average of $65,000 in lifetime payments. Imagine putting those timeshare dollars back in your pocket. Give my office a call today. I guarantee if we take you as a client, we will cancel your timeshare contract or you'll pay nothing. Call Wesley Financial now for your free information kit. 800-881-4242. That's 800-881-4242. 800-881-4242. The team at MyPillow is grateful for you. So grateful they have an amazing offer. Buy one, get one on their incredible sheet sets. Mike Lindell has come out with the world's most comfortable bed sheets. He finally found the best cotton in the world in a region where the Sahara Desert, the Nile River, and the Mediterranean Sea all come together to create ideal weather conditions for growing cotton. Mike guarantees they will be the most comfortable sheets you've ever owned. The first night you sleep on a Giza Dream Sheet, you may never want to sleep on anything else. The Giza Dream Sheets are available in a variety of colors, and like all of Mike's products, they come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. For a limited time, you can buy one, get one free. Call 800-919-5912. That's 800-919-5912. Or go to MyPillow.com, but make sure to use the promo code RUNTOWIN at checkout. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Here's Dr. Charles Stanley. We have the privilege and the right to come before the throne of God with a sense of authority before Him because of our position in Jesus Christ. And we're to come to pray and to pray with authority. Hear the series, How to Talk with God, this week on In Touch with Dr. Charles Stanley. Listen to In Touch, weekday afternoons at 1230. Hello, friends. This is Tom Kitterman, host of Mornings with Meaning, and I've got some exciting news. Now, in addition to listening to us at 92.7 FM and AM 1500, you can also stream us live on Radio.com. Just go to Radio.com, tap Listen, choose News Talk, and scroll down to Faith Talk Detroit. It's that simple. Or pick up the Radio.com app. Either way, it's fun, it sounds great, and you're going to love it. Check us out at Radio.com. Welcome back from the break, everybody. Awesome bumper music, as usual, from my chief engineer, Marcus. Uh, you're listening to Bible Talk on Faith Talk 1500. Our phone number, if you want to call in to answer my challenge or if you have a question, is 866-423-9578. 866-423-9578. I had a great call from Joe. 
And uh, as he pointed out, I had to tell him my name. I, I may have forgotten that, but I am Gordon Morse. Uh, I've been a, a pastor uh, under Pastor Moss for about 18 years now. Um, actually started preaching when I was 19. Uh, and that is more than 18 years ago. <laughs> One of these days, I'll have to tell you about the whole story of how that came to be and how I became a Christian. It's, it's interesting, interesting to me anyway. Um, but again, I want to give us our challenge for today. And the challenge is it came about because uh, the accusation gets hurled at Christians so often that we are judgmental. And I would argue that uh, sometimes that's very true and sometimes it's not true. Uh, but regardless of either way, uh, should we as Christians judge people? I want to know what you think about it. Uh, Joe gave his thoughts on it, but I want to hear what you have to say before uh, we I delve into it anymore. Uh, but please feel free to call in 866-423-9578. But to get back to our prior topic uh, that I covered before about discourse in our nation, I was reading to you from uh, hopefully you remember this. Your homework is to read James chapter 3. Uh, but what we learned from the last part of Scripture I read there uh, in verse 16, which I believe is the last verse or close to the last verse of James 3. Uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, three up from the bottom of the, ver- of the chapter. All of those negative things um, that people do in their conversation, it comes from our sinful flesh. Uh, Many times in my own life, my initial reaction to somebody saying something I disagree with or saying something mean is to lash out. I was really bad about it before. Uh, 26 years as a police officer kind of uh, tamed me because we're supposed to uh, be able to be in control of our emotions. It doesn't always happen. We're not perfect. Uh, Just ask... uh, any of the leftists out burning everything down right now, they'll tell you, please don't, are perfect. Um, we're a far cry from what they say. But uh, my reaction in the past has been initially the knee-jerk reaction, if you will, would be to lash out. But as Christians, we cannot be that way. Uh, I believe I gave the example last time of a guy in Ann Arbor. I was just trying to hand him a track, and he was just seething with hatred toward me. Um, and this was the first time after, after God dealt with me, with my attitude of just wanting to win arguments with people and not having a care for their soul. This is the first time I noticed in myself a change after God dealt with me where I just, I felt love for this guy because I felt so horrible that he had been through something in his life. I was convinced of it. It just made him so angry at God. I I don't think for a minute he did not believe in God. I think he believed in God and was mad at him. Um, Don't know why, um, but I prayed for that person right there rather than get mad at him for his anger toward me. Um, And and trust me, this is not to toot my own horn, because I'm telling you, this was the first time (laughs) I had this kind of reaction. Normally, I would have wanted to lash right back at the person for that attitude. So I knew right away it was the Holy Spirit working in me, and it was not me. But do we have examples of this in the Bible? Do we have examples to go from? We have James telling us what we should and shouldn't do, but do we have examples of it actually uh, in action in the Bible? And it turns out we do. So turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 26, unless you're driving, 
uh, then safely pull over, and then you can open up your Bibles. Or you can just listen because I'm going to read it to you anyway. But Acts chapter 26, verse number 22, uh, here we have Paul going before King Agrippa. And what he's done here, uh, Paul has basically uh, given his testimony and evidence for Jesus being who he said he was. And in verse 22, it says, Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, and, and he's with a great one right now, he's in front of a king, saying none other things than those that the prophets and Moses did say should come. He's saying here, I, I, didn't, I didn't make up this stuff. All this stuff was predicted long, long, long time ago. That Christ should suffer and should be the first, should rise from the dead, and should show light unto the people and unto the Gentiles. And as he thus spake for himself, here we go here, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself, much learning doth make thee mad. Now this is how, if you look today, this is how the world reacts to Christians. This is exactly what they say. You guys are crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. You're a bunch of racist, bigoted, sexist, homophobes, and all the name-calling starts. And this is essentially what Justice is doing with Paul here. He's calling him a name. He's saying you're crazy. All the learning you've done has made you crazy, Paul. So what does Paul do in response to this? Does he lash out at Festus and say, no, Festus, you're the crazy one? Well, let's take a look. Verse 25 says, but he, Paul, said, I am not mad, most noble Festus. So he actually doesn't call Festus a name. He actually shows respect unto Festus. I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. So that's how he responded. Uh, let's go to a couple pages over, if you are flipping in your Bible, to Acts chapter 28. And as you are flipping your pages, I want to remind everybody uh, of the challenge that is out there, and that is, should we as Christians judge people? And it seems like somebody wants to answer that because we have a caller. Go ahead, caller. Ryan? Yeah. Oh, uh, I was Hi, Ryan. But I had different, uh, different topic to talk about. Please do. Okay, good. Um, so recently, uh, I've been studying the Jewish feast. Uh, actually, God called them his feast. And uh, it just so happens that Moses seems to be the only one that um, has all of them, actually. Um, so I've been looking at the Feast of Trumpets and also looking at Exodus 19. And it's come to my uh, attention that it seems to me that that fits exactly what the feast of uh, what the rapture looks like is uh, where the you know the, the Jews call it a gathering but uh, I believe it's going to be the gathering of uh, the saints just like they missed Passover they were celebrating uh, the, the 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 Passover of the death angel when actually our Messiah was being crucified, and they missed all the other feasts that they that they celebrate, but uh, still missed them. So, 
it seems to me that that's exactly what's going to happen at the rapture. They're going to be celebrating the gathering of the Jews, and we're going to be celebrating uh, meeting meeting Jesus. Just, I mean, everything in it talks about uh, the Lord descending uh, with the trumpet sound. And he tells them exactly three days. I'm going to I'm going to come down, and you're going to meet God in the, in the mountain in the in the clouds. So they're going to actually uh, hear God answer Moses, and uh, he tells them to wash their clothes. And I think that's typical of uh, when we get a new heavenly body. And um, he tells them that's going to wives that's it to be sanctified before they meet him. And uh, it seems to me like every single thing that uh, that feast represents, represents the rapture, not the second coming, so or something else. Um, I just you want know, to hear your, your take on that. You know, Ryan, it's, uh, it's, it's Ryan, right? I'm sorry? Is that your name, Ryan? Yeah. Yes. Right. Okay. Uh, it, it, it's very interesting that, that what you're pointing out here, and it, it happens over and over and over again in the Bible. And that is things in the Old Testament pointing to things in the New Testament. You know, Pastor Moss is going through uh, Revelation right now on Sundays, and so much of our time is spent after he reads a section of Revelation, going back to the Old Testament and having the Old Testament explain what it is we're seeing in Revelation. It's absolutely yeah. astounding. And, it, and it's, it's things, too, like uh, God is so make, good at this. I wanted, I wanted to make another point to that, too, also. And that is uh, that the Apostle Paul was the only one given the information of the rapture. So... In Matthew, when it says no man knows the day or hour, he's actually talking about when he comes back in judgment, the second coming. And I know that everything in that chapter, Jesus was asked, when will, will, when will be the sign of thy coming, and when will the end of the age or end of the world be? And he tells them about those things, because the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians um, 1551, he says, Behold, I show you a mystery. He said, We're not all sleeping, we will all be changed in the twinkling of an eye. So, um, those, all those scriptures all seem to make sense as to him talking about the second coming when he comes back in judgment, and then, uh, and then uh, when he comes to set up his kingdom. But, uh, they weren't given that information of the uh, the rapture, uh, as far as I can see. Uh, now, John was given the idea that Jesus is going to go away and prepare a place for us, but he didn't say anything about when he would come, how he would come, and uh, or anything like that. Right, um, and that's why we need to be very suspicious of anyone who tries to give a date and a time, because well, I'm not saying nobody. What I am saying. Oh no, I'm not. Is, I'm not saying you're saying that, Brian. I'm just pointing that out. There seems to be so many people that try to pick a date, um, well, and I'm always yeah, weary I'm, of people who do. Yeah, I'm not picking a date. What I'm doing is picking the the feast, and I'm saying that that feast is exactly 
the feast that Jesus was speaking of. And uh, th- that's that's the part that's got me so, uh, like, uh, blown away, because when you see Exodus 19, he tells them exactly, in three days I'm going to come, and uh, I want you to be ready, and, and he gives them all these warnings. Now, in Matthew, when he says, no matter knows the day or hour, and he's talking about people that aren't looking for him, he says, those are taken away, just like Moses, or just like uh, Noah, uh, everyone that, was, that wasn't on that boat was taken away in judgment because of their, their, their lack of honoring God and, and looking for him. And that's what happens in, in, uh, with Matthew when he talks about uh, two should be on the field and one should be taken. And uh, uh, so, and then he says, where the, uh, you know, uh, where the, where the eagles gather and the, the carcasses are there. So those are all signs of, of judgment. But in, when, when uh, he tells this to Paul, he says to him, he says, he says, uh, wherefore comfort one another with these words. So these, this is an amazing event. And, now, and I put it in perspective this way. If God had uh, every single of the most amazing events transpired on those feast, feast days, which is uh, Passover, where, where a sin is taken away by Jesus Christ, that the death angel passes us by, then uh, unleavened bread, where sin is, is, is removed from us, and then third, that Jesus rose from the dead, which is what we will uh, come back to life. And then fourth, we receive the Holy Spirit. So the very next best thing that could ever happen would be the rapture. And that's why I say there's so many things that point at it. And uh, I, believe it's, I believe the Jews have missed it and are going to miss it on every single one of them. Until maybe uh, the second coming, because, well, I should say maybe the next two they might get, because because then uh, after Matthew or Romans 11, he says he takes the blinders off. So Right, right. There is going to be a, uh, um, a large uh, returning to the Lord of the Jews. Um, but, but thank you, uh, uh, Ryan. We're, we're coming up on a hard break right now. I appreciate your insight. Good to hear from you. And we'll be right back. Fifth Season Financial is a licensed lender, not available in all states. Visit fifthseasonfinancial.com for details. Linda was suffering from stage 4 lung cancer. I was dealing with the treatment, but we were running out of options. The mounting financial pressure made things far worse. I couldn't work anymore, and we were afraid we might lose the house we've owned for over 20 years. Linda owned a life insurance policy and contacted Fifth Season Financial about its Funds for Living program. Linda went through the no-cost application process and was quickly offered an advance from Fifth Season Financial. Linda and hundreds of other people suffering from an advanced stage illness who own a life insurance policy have received financial help from Fifth Season Financial's Funds for Living program. Text LOVE to 411411. Fifth Season helped us with more than money. They gave me my life back. 
Fifth Season Financial Cares, and we're there for you and the ones you love. If you need financial help, have an advanced stage illness and a life insurance policy, text LOVE to 411411 for information on how to get funded quickly. Text LOVE to 411411. Rams Horn of Rochester Hills would like to let its loyal and new customers know that they are open and ready to serve you. During the lockdown, Rams Horn of Rochester Hills took the opportunity to completely sanitize and update their kitchen, food storage areas, bathrooms, dining area, and much more. But don't worry, the dining area still has that warm and welcoming atmosphere it's always had. Ramshorn of Rochester Hills is still a family restaurant with a wonderful staff and amazing food. It's the perfect place for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Ramshorn of Rochester Hills is saying thank you by offering half-price certificates at the website gotahalfitnow.com. Please take advantage of these certificates that can be found at gotahalfitnow.com. $50 of delicious is only $25. Enjoy Ramshorn of Rochester Hills' amazing food and warm and welcoming atmosphere for half the price. Just go to gotahalfitnow.com and get your half-off certificates. That's G-O-T-T-A-H-A-L-F-I-T-N-O-W.com. In the 2016 race for president, Donald Trump was not the first choice for many Christian voters. His personal history made it unimaginable that he would defend Christian values as president, or so we thought. In his new book, Forgotten Country, The Christian Case for Trump, Dr. Ralph Reed shows that President Trump has kept his promises and been the most effective presidential defender of religious liberty and the pro-life cause since Reagan. It's required reading in 2020. Forgotten Country, the new book by Ralph Reed, available wherever books are sold. Hello, friends. This is Evangelist Anita Campbell, host of Bible Talk. I've got some exciting news now. In addition to listening to us on 92.7 FM and AM 1500, you can also stream us live on Radio.com. Just go to Radio.com, tap the news talk, and scroll down to WLQV Faith Talk. It's that simple. Or pick up the Radio.com app. Either way, it's fun, sounds great, and you're going to love it. Check us out at Radio.com. Welcome back, my fellow Bible fans. Uh, Pastor Morse coming to you from the Northern Command Center. Commander Wharf next to me, of course. Um, so uh, we ended with uh, dealing with how Paul handled being called a name. And so what I want to go to from here is uh, in Acts chapter 28, Paul is in chains. And he's going to defend his actions and present the gospel to people. But here we have in verse number 23. Uh, and when they had pointed him a day, there came many to him to his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them according to Jesus, uh, concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from morning until evening. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. And so here's the reason I wanted to read this verse. First of all, Paul, even though he's in chains, he's presenting the gospel. And it tells you here that some are going to believe and some are not going to believe. Uh, so what I, the reason I'm saying this to you is because I don't want you to take this personally. 
if anybody should have taken it personally, it was Jesus. And so what I wanted to close out this section with you is Jesus's response um, and see how he took it. If he had every right to take it personally when people uh, didn't believe in him. But in 1 Peter 2 and verse 20, it says, For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently. This is acceptable of God. So you're out talking to somebody about the Lord, and they start screaming and yelling, calling you names, they hit you, whatever it may be. That is acceptable with God, not just being good to people who are good to you. Verse 21 says, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Great, great, great verse there in verse number 23, 1 Peter 2 uh, and 23. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. So he committed himself to God the Father, and that is exactly what we as Christians need to do as well. We need to turn things over to him and not take things personally. Uh, We really, as Christians, should not be surprised that people hate us. Um, I believe it's John chapter 3 that talks about they hate us because light is in us. And their deeds are evil. Um, Their deeds are dark. They do not want the light shining on them. Um, And therefore, they lash out at us. So it shouldn't be any surprise to you. I I, I teach this to um, officers going through the police academy. Same thing. Don't be surprised when bad guys don't like you. It'd be kind of weird if they did like you. They're bad guys. They're not supposed to like you. So don't you as Christians be surprised that, People who are lost, people who are blind, people who are steeped in sin would be angry at you for trying to talk to them about the Lord. Does that make sense to you? I hope it does. Uh, We are going to go to a quick break, and we've got a phone call uh, to get when we come back. This is Albert Moeller for townhall.com. To those who saw her as a feminist icon of liberal causes, she was the notorious RBG. To conservatives, she was a formidable foe, the leader of the liberal wing of the Supreme Court. Ruth Bader Ginsburg fought incredibly hard against several cancers, but she lost her battle Friday evening in Washington, D.C. She was 87 years old and had served on the nation's highest court for 27 years. Justice Ginsburg's legacy is one of the main debates and dividing lines between the cultural left and the right in the United States on issues including abortion. And her death sets up an epic battle for the future of the Supreme Court. And right as the presidential election was already hitting fever pitch. Both sides know that this will be a battle to define the court for a generation or more. November 3rd now looms even larger. I'm Albert Moeller. The Pepperdine School of Public Policy. Impacting policy decisions today. Preparing public leaders for tomorrow. 
If you're thinking about replacing your windows, I want you to think about plastic. That's right, plastic. Most windows are made out of vinyl, which is just a fancy word for plastic. You know, the same thing they make those flimsy, cheap outdoor chairs from. Plastic. The same thing you put your sandwich in or they make water bottles from. Plastic. Even expensive composite windows are really just plastic made with wood. Plastic window frames will expand and contract and expand and contract and eventually warp in Michigan's nasty weather blender. Here's a better idea. Call Performance Remodeling for heavy-duty fiberglass windows that won't warp, won't bend, and won't lose their shape. They look fantastic and come with real lifetime guarantees. We can do that because they're made from fiberglass, not plastic. Call Performance Remodeling today at 586-540-6000 or online at windowsroofingsiding.com and replace all the windows in your house for as little as $2 a day. $2 a day. That's 586-540-6000 or online at windowsroofingsiding.com. 2 Corinthians 4.15 All this is for your benefit. Your benefit. Focus on the family's biblical advice benefits your life. So that the grace that is reaching more and more, more, people, and more people, it's advice that helps more and more families thrive. May cause Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving to, overflow. to overflow. Advice that will make you thankful too. To the glory. To the glory of God. Listen to Focus on the Family. Weekday mornings at 9.30 on Faith Talk 1500. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Emery Moss, host of Bible Talk. I've got some exciting news. Now, in addition to listening to us on 92.7 FM and AM 1500, you can also stream us live on Radio.com. Just go to Radio.com, tap the News Talk, and scroll down to WLQV Faith Talk. It's that simple. Or pick up the Radio.com app. Either way, it's fun, sounds great, and you're going to love it. Check us out at Radio.com. Welcome back, my Bible Talk friends. I am not going to give out the phone number again because we have a caller already and we won't have time to get to anybody else. Uh, but I believe we have Don on the air. Don, go ahead. Hello, sir. How are you? Good. How are you, sir? Good. Thank you. Uh, I believe the, uh, the question that we're trying to understand in Bible study tonight, if anyone's listening, is that, is that, should we judge other Christians? Is that the question? Right. And when you say, if anyone else is listening, are you saying that because it's not Pastor Moss, so you don't think anyone has the radio on? No. <laughs> what I'm saying is, if people want to listen, they can listen to whatever they want. Right, well, right. I, I'm just messing with you, Don. Oh, okay. Right. I mean, you can listen to ACDC, uh, funk, whatever you want to listen to. It's, you know? That's right. Freedom. That's right. So, so go ahead. Did you want to give an answer? Sure. Well, this is my belief, and I believe I have the spirit. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, uh, to uh, make this weak, uh, weak statement because I believe I have the Holy Spirit. So what I'm saying is, the Holy Spirit will judge the earth through Christians. So when, like, when Paul says, you know, 
we will judge angels. Yes, we will, because we use this holy discernment, holy discernment, not like uh, like the neophytes in the early church where they would fight and, you know, they wanted a revolution to go against Rome. And Jesus said, no, we're going to do this the right way. We're going to do it the peaceful way. Instead of picking up stones, we're going to show them what it means to be a peaceful kingdom, a heavenly kingdom, not a political kingdom. That's what the kingdom of heaven consists of. Love, peace, genuineness, honesty, not war. So that's how right, God but, will judge the earth through peace. But but let me, people think there's going to be this great cataclysmic destruction of the earth. No, God's going to bring love to the earth. Okay, well let me ask you a question then, because you may ask God, if you wish. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so. God is obviously a God of love, but he is also That's right. a holy God that is going to bring judgment. So for those who don't the know The judgment that, is, is that you're stuck with your hatred and you go to hell by choice. That's the judgment. God is love. Right. Right. You're stuck but, with your hatred. Then, that's, your, that's your punishment. You want to be stuck angry, hateful, envious, and evil, and diseased, and just, just angry. and just That's your punishment. Well, the, the punishment is going to be eternity in hell, but you are right, right in saying that people who are bitter and angry, it, it is, a, I feel bad for them because they do have to go through life that way because of the choices they're making. But does that answer my challenge that should we as Christians judge people? Well, I don't, Christians, we can't judge or condemn a soul. Jesus liberated everyone on the cross, every single one of us. Now, whether we choose to, uh, to accept his invitation is on us. Right. Now, many have declined him. I mean, look through the ages. Many have declined him. Many thought, many uh, pagan rulers thought he must have been a really bad man if he went to that cross. You know, he must have been a right. hateful person. Or, not hateful, but he must have been a terrible person. But no, we don't have the power to condemn a soul. We condemn ourselves by our, our lack or belief in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so our own actions about, condemn, uh, condemn us or free us. Right, but Don, what about the Bible verse like John seven twenty four that says we are supposed to judge righteous judgment? Well, that, that's the Holy Spirit doing that. We're not doing that. God's doing that through us. We have his breath. His inspired breath and his Holy Spirit doing that through us. But God doing it through us is still us doing it to the people that we are judging. Okay, I don't want to fight you like you're a Pharisee or a Sadducee. (laughs) I'm just telling you that whatever way you look at it, whatever way you want to slice it, dice it, manufacture it, remanufacture it, okay, fine. That's what it is then. It's God judging, or we're going to do it, and we're going to be waiting with God when he comes back. All right. Well, thank you, Don. I appreciate it. For the other man, for the other man on the, uh, I'm not trying to be like the smart aleck of the crew, but it wasn't vulture. It wasn't eagles that gathered at the at the dead body. It was a vulture. There's a I big difference between vulture. an eagle and a vulture. I thought he said vulture. No, he said eagle. Oh, okay. Right, maybe that's just okay. what I heard because so, I knew it was shalom. vulture. Thanks, Don. Shalom. <laughs> well, kind of in light of what what. Uh, Don was saying there, um, part of the problem with people making the accusations against Christians as being judgmental is what we as Christians 
do as Christians. We read the Bible, and we know that there are certain things that are wrong. But the problem is, is when we say that homosexual, I'm sorry, homosexuality, adultery, abortion, blasphemy, when we're saying those things are wrong, we aren't judging. We are warning people that God is going to judge them for those things. I don't care. If people want to do whatever they want to do, fine, if it doesn't hurt other people. Now, I would argue that things such as homosexuality, adultery, abortion, blasphemy, all those things do hurt other people, um, either by being a poor example or by making poor choices in your life, um, bring bad consequences to you. So you could make that argument. But just because we as Christians say those things are wrong, we aren't judging people. We are warning them that God is going to judge them. But this is such a huge topic. There's no way, you should see my notes for this, we're going to have to turn this into a whole show because uh, there's, do we judge fellow believers? Um, are we only allowed to judge unbelievers? Uh, there's so many different aspects to this this judging topic. And, and like I quoted John 7, 24, I didn't quote it, but it does say judge righteous judgment. We as Christians are supposed to do that. Um, so how do we uh, deal with that in relation to other verses that say judge not lest you be judged? How do we deal with all that? Well, we're going to have to do that next time. But in the meantime, uh, if you have anything you need uh, ministry-wise, you want to come visit Strictly Biblical, see if it might want to be your church home, you can contact us at Strictly Biblical Bible Teaching Ministries at 313-933-9270. Our senior pastor, Emery Moss, uh, stresses apologetics, uh, which is defending the faith. And I tell you what, I never get tired of it. I love our church. I love our people. We're very welcoming. Uh, We will love you. We won't judge you, uh, but we'll welcome you to our church. Please don't hesitate to come by and visit us. Uh, You can go onto our website, uh, Strictly Biblical, and uh, we'll see you next time. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.